When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I am also your host, Brian Key. And I'm the other host. My name's Nick, a new fan of the artist Dua Lipa. I'm going to start my own Dua Lipa podcast. I just want to let you guys know at the top of the show. As the kids <laughs> say these days, Dua Lipa slaps, dude. Dua Lipa slaps. My girlfriend played it for me. And she knows I'm, like, not into much other than wacky, off-the-wall instrumental post-rock and EDM and, like, ambient EDM and soundtracks. So she's hesitant. And I was like, okay. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'm with it. Throw on uh, NPR Tiny Desk. It's not an actual Tiny Desk. It's, like, a studio setup because of the pandemic. And boy, oh, boy, is that good. So I'm with it. Coming to the Thank the Maker uh, podcast network. My Dua Lipa superfan podcast. <laughs> Thank the maker, a Dua Lipa podcast. <laughs> I've only heard one song, but I was very, very pleasantly surprised. You probably started a dance right away. I did in my kitchen. Everybody got <laughs> from my dancing. All the dogs in the house. Um, let's have a Star Wars podcast. So we're done with the Clone Wars as of last week. And we thought it would be fitting to actually not be done with the Clone Wars. <laughs> and instead talk about revenge of the sith the ultimate edition which is something that we talked about on last week's episode it is a version of revenge of the sith with the last four episodes the final arc of the clone wars edited in in essentially chronological order and all the key spots it's awesome it was done by a dude named zach who goes by madman's knowledge on instagram and youtube correct yes you're here just hello that's correct hello say hello i'm zach everyone hey zach (laughs) so i can't remember how i discovered this edit i think maybe there was a youtube clip of you do you have one where you kind of you show each of the transitions because of course you can't put the whole thing on youtube right yeah that's that's probably the one you saw that's the one that uh took off yeah, I, that was in the algorithm, and I was yeah, I was like, thank you, algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am too. <laughs> it's like for once. But um, yeah, just to uh, correct you real quick on, on the title, um, it's actually Revenge of the Sith Extended Edition. Um, ah, word. The Ultimate Edition is actually a new cut that I will be making once the Bad Batch is out. Oh, nice. I'm likely going to overlap with it more. Dope. So we're we're gonna be looking at like a like a six hour edit in a couple of years by the time they keep adding all of this new stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the challenge will be to watch the whole thing and either not piss yourself or piss yourself and just power through it. Either way, I did just power through the the Snyder cut. Yeah. one sitting it wasn't that bad. I haven't done it yet. I watched it in like f- over the course of four days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Nicole and I just got our shots on Saturday, so we were like, let's just stay in tonight. We just were like, all right, it's 7.30, put this on. If we want to watch the whole thing, we'll watch the whole thing. If we don't, we'll turn it off. And 
four hours later, we're like, that was cool. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I'm not just saying this because I'm looking at your face right now, Zach, but I enjoyed the Snyder Cut. It was cool. But your edit of these two things is cooler. Yeah, it's way oh, cooler. Boy. It's like 10 times more fun to watch. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what, like, yes, we could be talking about just the standard top of the list of all of the mini edits that is done here, but the Kurosawa one is abs. Did you watch that? It's insane, dude. Like, I was just glued, dude. Like, the audio work you did with the with the Kurosawa thing, the way it's just the the like constant sort of vinyl hiss in the background, you know, it has that like old studio microphone hiss going the whole time. Dude, it was it was so sick. Thank you. So let's talk about the different versions real quick. Do you want to list them off? Because I, I have the document here, but I think it's better if you list them. Yeah. So the first version of it is is now called just version one point um it was the first one that I made back in May of last year after uh, after the Clone Wars ended. This time that it ended, it's ended more than once. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Three times. And then a, a few months later, something's bugged me. So I George lucas it and I went back and <laughs> fixed a few things that bothered me. So now there's version 2.0. And then I also made a Kurosawa mode for it, which was inspired by uh, the game Ghost of Tsushima has a Kurosawa mode. Yep. Both Star Wars and that game are heavily inspired by the, the films of Akira Kurosawa. So it was just a fun, nerdy thing for me to do uh, to make the cut black and white look like an old movie from like the 50s or 60s and also dub it over in Japanese. I mean, I didn't do that. That was the work of other voice actors who did it on their own. I didn't watch the Japanese version. Um, oh, okay. I, I, want, I, I wanted to watch the English dialogue one just because I had a couple other things going on and I needed it to be on for four hours and no, you know what I mean, and follow it. And I wasn't going to be able to read the subtitles all the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but have you guys even, Adam, Nick, have you even looked at it? Have you no. downloaded it to look at it? Dude, no. Dude, it's, it's so sick. Like, it, <laughs> it, it creates yet another, like, entirely different experience. You're already getting this cool experience of having the two arcs happening at the same time. But, dude, it's like, yeah, man, I, I saw it on the list of things. I was like, well, why wouldn't I watch that one? Mm-hmm. I've already seen both of these, you know, films in their original format. Like, I would, this would be really cool, I think, to watch them. And I wasn't, like, 10 minutes in, and I was just like, dude, the Clone Wars in vintage black and white with, like, <laughs> almost, like, filtered kind of, like, telephone, like, high, super high mid-range in the vocals, like, it... It just, it was so rad, dude. And and it really brought a lot to Revenge of the Sith for me. Like, it, it made them feel like some of the, like, campiness of the prequels, right? Like, that comes across not just in the dialogue, but in the performances as well. That stuff, though, done with this Kurosawa vibe, it's like, it feels like it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Thank you. And I can imagine that there are certain parts, because already just with the regular version, the animation, the work in season seven of The Clone Wars is so good. It all looks so incredibly cinematic that when you edit that straight into or in and out of the early 2000s CG work of Revenge of the Sith, some of it is like indistinguishable. It just, especially the big, you know, wide space shots that, you know, the, the, the Jedi cruisers and even some of the buildings, some of the exteriors and stuff going in and out of Mandalore, it's seamless. So I could imagine in black and white together, 
it truly looks like one film, right? There were multiple scenes where the Jedi Temple, I didn't know if you were cutting to Clone Wars <laughs> or the real thing. <laughs> That's rad. I can't wait to watch this. Were there any like big challenges editing wise or just like going into it? Did you just have a clear vision of kind of what you wanted to do or what was kind of hardest about the whole thing? Because it's a big undertaking, you know, it's a lot of yeah. footage. I went into it at first just trying to sort of fit it into chronological order, just doing it because I'm such a big fan of the show. I just, you know, it's it's fun for me as someone who also uh, edits videos. It's going there and see, okay, so where would this take place? But as I went on, uh, the focus turned more and more into like, I want to turn this into like a very watchable cut of a movie that feels like a more like grand fuller ending to the Clone Wars show. Similar to what Ryan was saying, I'm not as much of a fan of the prequels, but the Clone Wars has very much changed my view on Revenge of the Sith, maybe not on the first two films, but it's just all of that character development throughout seven seasons of the show going into that movie. It just makes me care way more about those characters than the um, the first two prequel films were able to make me care. But yeah, anyway, so back to the the actual question. I I originally tried to make it a bit more chronological and I decided to make it less chronological in order to help the pacing of the cut uh, to make it just a more watchable movie that worked better. So that's why, for example, the like early Siege of Mandalore stuff isn't intercut with the Battle of Coruscant. It all takes place afterwards, and that was just for uh, for pacing reasons. That works really well, though. I mean, there's already a lot of intercutting between different subplots and things in the movie itself because all the Jedi are spread out in all these different places. So if you were truly bouncing back and forth, I could imagine that would just be a mess, you know? Yeah. It works really, really well. And, I mean, there, there were things that I was, as I was watching it, I'm thinking as, a, as an editor as well, you know, as a filmmaker, like, oh, would I have done that like that? And that's not to say that, I was picking it apart, but I was, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like internally editing. I'm like, you know how it is when you shoot footage and you're already like in the editing software in your head as you're like speaking or as you're doing something, you know? Yeah. Were there parts that versions that you tried where you were like, oh, it's got to go like this. And it just straight up did not work because of the score or I thought about the score a lot too. Like mm -hmm. the whole thing's very, very compatible between the two, but there's some stuff that I'm sure just was a really stark contrast Episodes 11 and 12, for sure, I thought about that before I started the film because we talked about that when we covered the final arc. All of a sudden, in episode 11, you have this, like, Blade Runner-esque, ambient, haunting, Droning, yeah. like, super minor, no orchestration. You know, I love, I love it. I mean, I loved it even more watching this. I want to hear about that as well, like, the concept of, like, you're going from this, like, synth-driven, apocalyptic ending to this, like, fanfare you know, duel of the fates back and forth <laughs> kind of vibe. Yeah. A lot of it was just getting lucky at the transition points. Um, like it just worked out that I could blend the two musical pieces together, the end of one and the start of the other. There were some times where it didn't work out. So I, I would change the edit to something else. One of those moments was uh, when Anakin turns to the dark side, I was going to cut to Ahsoka sensing it in real time when she has her, revision um yeah but it just didn't work it it kind of ruined both scenes and then also when i had the ahsoka vision scene afterwards it let me cut to anakin marching on the temple right after she says 
Anakin. So, and it just, yeah. that musical piece hit perfectly. So I, I'm glad how that turned out. While I was watching it, I, I maybe over the last two weeks watched it twice to, in total. The edit and the audio worked so well that it had me questioning, like, did he edit the audio also? Is this, is yeah, this same. score? Yes. Was this score here or did he move a score? You know, like it, it worked so well. So there, there was no sound editing in that regard, was there? Um, there was only one scene where I changed the score, which was uh, the Order 66 scene. I added the, mm-hmm. um, the theme from the movie to the Clone Wars gotcha. just to fit with that sort of like montage style uh-huh. scene. Cool. Yeah. So were you, did you go as far as to like get the 5.1 audio and pull the dialogue out of the center channel and do shit like that so you could really isolate things or did, did it just work out well enough without going through all that? I, I didn't do that. The only time that I had to pull dialogue from audio was uh, when I added Obi-Wan's message that you hear in Rebels to the ending of the movie, mm-hmm. which was the most difficult thing to edit, but... What actually helps a lot is just lining the scenes up in terms of where one ends and the next one starts and trying to find the point at which the audio of both will blend the best. And then I just I I fade the next scene in, fade the previous scene out, and I um, I added a reverb effect to the sound that was being faded out so that it would carry on a bit more and not just... End abruptly because I I think mm-hmm. having audio that just suddenly changes is really what makes it seem like amateur and I yeah. I wanted it to be seamless I didn't want you to be taken out of the story mm-hmm. by these things you know yeah it's great you did a great job with that because that you. was when you do something like this on your end I'm sure you're thinking that you don't want it to be distracting in any way and it's so seamless that you just get to enjoy what's going on which is just hats off it's it's so good thanks. Did you, again, this is one of those things like Nick was mentioning when I was watching, I was like, well, is that, was that that way? You know, I was questioning because it all was so seamless. Were there any parts that you left out or did you consider leaving or trimming specific shots or anything like that? Or did you leave it all in? There were two parts that were trimmed. I I didn't want to cut out any scenes, but there were a few shots when Ahsoka is cornered by Maul. I cut out some of those shots just to create a transition between those two episodes of the show. Yeah. And then during Order 66, there's some extra shots on Kashyyyk of just battle that I cut out yeah, that yeah. just didn't seem necessary so that the music would flow better. But other than that, everything's there. Dude, that that one connecting the two episodes where, you know, in, in the sewers, when Ahsoka meets Maul, we talked about, you know, how that that's essentially just a, it's like a commercial break essentially is what it what it feels like in the thing, in the actual show. And watching it play out, I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's so good. Just actually seeing it for real. You know, you think about like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool if that happened. And then we watched it happen. And I imagine you in, in the edit were just like, F***ing A, here we go. <laughs> tight, tight, tight. I mean, I, I was just fanboying about the whole thing while I'm making it. So it was just a, a fun yeah. experience the whole way through. <laughs> I mean, it really does, you know, you, it does so much justice to what you're going for, which is making that entire sequence that's happening basically all like concurrently, this cut expands the world, you know, like when you're watching 
that final arc of the Clone Wars, you're like, oh yeah, all this stuff is happening at the same time. But then when you get to watch it all chronologically or as close to chronologically as possible, it's just so awesome to see. My favorite scene is like the hollow chat, you know, where Ahsoka walks yeah. in after that. What you did there was just so, 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 so good. Especially when there's one part where it's like Revenge of the Sith Yoda and then Clone Wars Yoda. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't cut to anyone else. It's just like talking right back to back. Yeah, it's just his thought on two different sides of the hollow, basically. It just expands what's going on and adds so much more urgency to the entire section of the saga. And it's, yeah, I'm going to end everything I say with it's so good. And I'm going to try to not <laughs> do that, but it's so good. And you haven't seen the black and white one yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait. We were watching it and we talked about this in last week's episode. Just how expertly the whole story of the Clone Wars finale was crafted and how it's just like threading needle after needle after needle. Talk about like on the list of finales of TV shows that were either nailed or completely botched. This is like at the very top of series finales that were nailed, you know, and the way they not only wrapped up their series perfectly, but also intertwined it at the exact same moment in time with this movie from, you know, 15 years ago is like just genius filmmaking shit. And then to know that in your head and then put it together in the edit, I imagine you were sitting there just going, God, Filoni's smart. Oh, yeah. Like as you're editing. <laughs> yeah. I, you know? I definitely want to give most of the credit to just how well this concept worked out to Dave Filoni and his team because since I've made this, people have asked me, oh, it would be cool if you could add this thing from the older uh, 2D Clone Wars show or something from like some of the uh, video games and things like that. And the truth is like I, I've seen other people's fan edits that do the same thing as mine. Some people do add those and it just it doesn't fit as well. So Dave just it feels weird just calling him Dave, actually. <laughs> but uh, he he really we call him Dave. He, he understands Lucas's work so well probably better than anyone else maybe better than lucas himself (laughs) yeah i think he's better at executing lucas's ideas than george lucas's for sure we agree yeah yes (laughs) it's like having a producer in the studio with a musician that you can step back and be objective and say hey you're great at this stuff this is where you kind of stumble but let's just do this stuff and focus on that that's got a ton of value you know exactly having them happening at the same time and you know a thing that happens in Revenge of the Sith that has been spoken about throughout the years. Darth Vader becoming Darth Vader and then, no, <laughs> right? Like, it's done. It's going to happen every time you watch the film. But now you had the opportunity to drop that last scene in. And it's like, it, it totally speaks to the point of, like, Filoni knowing what how how to do your work better than you know how to do your own work. Because... I was just watching, knowing it was happening. I knew, I knew it was coming. And when that Imperial shuttle is just coming down, again, boys, watch the black and white one. You can't tell that it's not a real shuttle. It's just like, <laughs> it's so, especially that last scene, it's so seamless. But yeah, that shuttle was coming down. I knew it was about to happen. But watching him walk out in the snow like that at the end of that entire thing was such a more... It was so much more fulfilling and to have the, the way that you were able to drop that in at the end as it should be. It was perfectly seamless. And, and I again, it was just such a rewiring for me on how to watch Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah, thanks. For me, like, I kind of don't want to go back and watch the original cut of the movie anymore. <laughs> There's no <laughs> now reason. Now that I have this. I don't think I ever will. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's weird to just sit here and be like, complimented constantly but, um, <laughs> well you've got three giant dorks who love star wars and you did an yeah. awesome star wars thing so <laughs> it's pretty unavoidable have you uh have you considered or did you consider through the process doing anything like kind of out of the box for star wars in terms of like i mean you did some things like putting uh the titles on screen for the parts of, of the episodes you know you did like the um the recap intro with the voiceover that you get in Clone Wars, you put that in as the crawl, and then you, you know, like half opacity, put the scenes that you would see if you were just watching the animated version behind the crawl. So you did some things that were out of the box, but did you go as far to think about, like, maybe that Vader scene would be like a Marvel-style mid- or post-credits role kind of thing? I did briefly think about that. The thing is, um, I have very good reasons for not making it like a, a mid credit scene. Personally, I, I don't like after credit scenes in movies very much. I, I think they're they're oftentimes they're meant to either add some funny joke or to set up like the next movie in some series. And for this, that scene feels like the essential ending to this movie. I don't want anyone to be taken out of the story by looking at the names of real people on the screen and then have to go back into it to see one of the best scenes in the whole thing. Yeah. That's that's where I came from on that. That makes perfect sense. You sold me. I mean, (laughs) um, did you consider like while we're on this topic of like trying different things, did you consider fully splitting it into like a part one, part two or like a four part thing or even doing like uh, this would be a whole different edit and maybe this would be a fun thing to still do. Do like a reverse version, an extended edition of the Clone Wars finale with just select scenes from the live action film or something like that. Did any of those ideas go through your head in in the process? Sort of. I I didn't really want to um, remove scenes from either one because I I want this to be sort of an alternative to watching the ending of the show and the movie. Um, So that way someone who would watch it for the first time or in a marathon wouldn't miss any of the the content. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to splitting it like into two parts for the length – I don't think that was necessary for this. Um, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings, so I'm used to really long, epic, like, fantasy movies. You're used to stretching your bladder to <laughs> yes. capacity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then for the next version of the cut that I'm going to try to make, we'll see if it works out with adding... I'm, I'm assuming that 70-minute first episode of The Bad Batch will take place during Revenge of the Sith. Just based on the trailer, that's what it seems to be. Yeah, they're, the way they deal with Order 66 and whatnot. Yeah. So once I add that, it's going to be like five hours. So I'm thinking of splitting it into <laughs> two parts it. for that version. Let's go. Probably ending the first part right after Anakin turns to the dark side, have a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, just do do an intermission like uh, like Braveheart style. Just, or that. You know, like yeah, a, that could like work a, too. Like a classic sort of theater style. You can get up and grab a drink and... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Old school DVDs. Yeah. Put on disc two. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But like that way it's, it's not, cause I really, I really like your, the, the sentiment there of like a fantasy film that's super long and, and like for fans of the genre, it's not a problem, you know? So I, I would say I would be more of a fan if you, if you didn't make 
them like two separate downloads per se or whatever. You know what I mean? Two mm-hmm. separate files that you're watching. More like just pause here, take a break. Like a classic film yeah. or theater intermission I think would be feel really epic in that. Okay. I'm not telling you how to do your job. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, thanks for the, uh, for the advice. Thanks for the input. I'm a theater dork, so I... I think with the way television and like long form storytelling is going, I think I know I'm being more patient with information that we get on a weekly basis. So I feel like something like the Snyder Cut being four hours, it was all awesome. So I didn't mind it. I don't feel like it dragged. Like it was all imperative information and a four hour cut of, you know, Revenge of the Sith and the final Clone Wars arc wasn't boring because it's all information that you need so i just think long form storytelling is something that television might start shaping movies now and we might start getting more three-hour movies you know like endgame is awesome and it's over three hours long no one's complaining about that i would have loved for rise of skywalker to be three hours long but it wasn't you know like if they had an extra 45 minutes of explanation of some things it might have been one of the best star wars movies ever but they didn't (laughs) should have been two films that yeah. one I think should have actually been a part one and part two. Like yeah. go to the theater a year apart kind of thing. But that's another conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say real quick before you keep going. Uh, you, you mentioned how like the title cards came in. Let's not not acknowledge when you just decided this is when A New Hope starts. Yeah. yeah. I was so yeah. into that, dude. I was like, <laughs> bold, big fan. Thank you. Like this is where the actual film begins. <laughs> so cool. So do you have... Zach, do you have a favorite new scene or a favorite new transition or just like, I don't know, do you have new favorites now viewing this as like one film? There's a lot. The first one I I want to mention, and this happened by accident, and then I noticed it later, and it's turned into like one of my favorite edits in the whole thing. After Anakin finds out that Palpatine is, is the Sith Lord... And Mace Windu tells Anakin to go wait in the Jedi Council Chambers. Um, I I cut to Maul being placed in his prison cell on the Venator ship. And then cut back to Anakin and the scene with the music where he looks out the window at Padme and all that. Yeah, yeah. Not only does the ambient music blend the best during that transition, but I accidentally created symbolism that Anakin feels like he is being put in a cell by being sent to the Jedi council chambers and not allowed to yeah. interfere. Oh yeah. That's great. And it, it, it could also make it feel like some dark side connection happening there too with Maul. Yeah. There's some, some good symbolism there. I won't take the credit for that. Cause I did that on accident and then no, it's later. <laughs> um, I'll take the credit. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We need to get this guy a script. Let's get this guy a Star Wars script. <laughs> Let's go. I would love that. But um, there were some scene placements that I did on purpose because of the themes that Dave Filoni was getting at and how they applied to the scenes of Revenge of the Sith. For example, um, I placed the last conversation between Ahsoka and Rex before Order 66 during the Mace Windu Palpatine fight. Yeah, yeah. And that was because she talks about that the Jedi are meant to be peacekeepers and it just goes to show how the Jedi have fallen, how they've really, they've lost their way. Especially given that he's the one that said that in the first place. It's like, yes, perfect. And then later when Ahsoka tells Rex that they aren't going to kill any of the clones right after (laughs) Yoda murdering the clones (laughs) viciously, which is, yeah. I mean, it's just meant to show that the Jedi have lost their way 
and Ahsoka, who is more of a perfect Jedi than the actual Jedi, has been kicked out of their order, and now she's showing their uh, their values better than they do. Citizen Tano. Yes. <laughs> Dude, there's also another, maybe this is accidental, maybe you noticed this. This is a, a little subtle thing that doesn't have any like um, larger like story impact or anything. It's just a really cool edit. At the end of the lizard ride, when Kenobi, or no, sorry, maybe it's before that. It's when it hits the ground. Yeah. So Kenobi drops the saber, it hits the ground. Uh, I guess Cody or whoever it is picks it up and looks up. Right when he looks up, you cut to Mandalore and you see the ships come overhead and it just works so perfectly like he's looking up at the ships, you know, it's just one of those like... Yeah, it felt like the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of little stuff like that where just the framing, the blocking, the... I don't know what the term is, but I had like on one of our music videos back in the day, an editor was showing me um, how you, you kind of use inertia in your edits, you know, like if you're making a move to the left, it cuts to the next shot it moves the same way, whether it's the camera move or it's the move of the subject in the frame, right? Yeah. And you have a bunch of stuff like that. Sometimes you'll pull it off with like the type of wipe that you do, oh, you yeah. know, whether it's left or right or a, an iris wipe or something like that. There's a bunch of really good stuff like that. And I guess the question is how much of that, you know, just turned out to be happy accidents and how much of it was very intentional. In terms of the way I used the wipe transitions, uh, all of it was intentional. I just tried to use a wipe that would be the most fitting for like the motion of the two scenes and the uh, right the shot composition as well. Was there anything like because uh, you do have things in like large chunks, like you said before? Was was there anything that you were just like, man, these two shots go back to back so well, this part can't not go here. You know what I mean? Because there were some shots like that that one that just it just fit. Yeah, <laughs> just like it was all the, like the force making it happen. <laughs> There were a few, I don't know if this is just that the scene fits perfectly before, because you're talking more about the, the visuals of the, of the transition, right? Yeah, for sure. Because hmm. there's basically nothing in the edit where like the inertia of the shot or the subject in the frame is clashing with the next shot. They, they all, it all flows very well visually. So it had me wondering, like, are both of these this movie and the series just done so well in, in terms of visual language that they're, they're just super compatible or were there conscious choices made on your part to preserve that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's just that visually they're both very nice to look at. Um, yeah. when I edit, I, I try to make things smooth and seamless. So I don't know, maybe there's something in the back of my head I'm doing that I'm not fully conscious of even. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, one thing that I did want to mention now that I think of that is there's actually there's one transition in the show that's extremely good that I didn't want to mess up that I made sure was still in there. It's when um, Rex, after he uh, tells his troops about Order 66, what it is and that any of them will be executed if they don't follow it. He walks straight into the camera and then it cuts to the front of Maul's, like, holding device. Right, right. And it cuts to a Mandalorian helmet right on the front of it. And it's it's just showing that the clones are hunting down the Jedi just like the ancient Mandalorians used to. Yeah. There, there's some things like that. There's also the whole way that the, um, the sequence is edited in the movie of Palpatine giving his speech while Anakin kills the separatists and Yoda and Obi-Wan go to the temple and like the music. I think that is 
just like a perfectly edited scene. So it'll rip my heart out when I have to mess that up when I make the new cut with the Bad Batch because they have the Palpatine speech yeah. in the trailer. <laughs> or it'll cut together perfectly like the the hollow scene. Yeah, it'll know. be perfect. Yeah, I just got to trust the force on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Dave Filoni. You know that Filoni is taking so much of his direction and inspiration from Lucas that the style is already married, you know, like it, whatever he's doing transition wise and look wise is, is going to live in the same universe as, as those films. And it may, that's why it's just, as you said, they're both beautiful to look at, but also like they're doing the same kinds of transitions and the same style of shots. So same visual language. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, somewhere on Skywalker ranch, and I don't want this to come off in any way that I'm taking away from what you've accomplished here. Filoni wrote this story with a very intricate knowledge of Revenge of the Sith and where to put the story and place all these things. Do you think somewhere there's a storyboard where he knew the story he wanted to tell and put it in exactly, and that made the editing smooth? Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) I'm just picturing this. If I was Dave Filoni and I was writing a, a story that took place during this movie, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure he did that, and that's probably why it worked out so well. Yeah, maybe he even has his own cut. <laughs> yeah, like this that he just doesn't want to put out there because he works for Disney and yeah. copyright and stuff. <laughs> so in a way, you're just like, yo, everybody, check out this puzzle I put together. I figured it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look at this picture. You know? Yeah, in a way, the pieces were there. Well, if our listeners want to see this, how do they find it? They just have to send an email to justice4ct5555 at gmail.com. Fives. I see. You like the email address. Um, you will get an automated response. Uh, it'll send you a message with links to everything. Uh, the one thing that I, I do ask is that you own a Disney Plus subscription just because I don't want this to be a means of piracy. I'm fortunate that Disney hasn't taken it down yet. I don't know if they're okay with it or if they haven't found it yet. That's a bit of a mystery, but (laughs) um, yeah, just make sure you're paying for the original content. That way it's all perfectly legal. You know, I'm going to say that uh, I'm rooting for you because I think that this happens in the entertainment world often where, you know, if they haven't come across it, that seems odd to me with the success you've had with it yeah i feel like they've probably seen it but like people get opportunities through stuff like this like we one day you get a email or a message on instagram it's like hey man uh we've been waiting for this perfect thing or whatever but like someone at disney might be they might not have taken it down because they absolutely love it and think it's as good as we all think it is and like i'm rooting for you that someone will come knocking on your door yeah, fingers crossed that I don't get sued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It would be much cooler <laughs> if you got a job instead of a lawsuit. Yeah. Well, if listeners want to follow you on social media and on YouTube, where can they find you there? Oh, yeah. Um, is it cool if I plug my stuff, talk for like a minute or so about it? Of course. 100%. Plug it, man. Cool. Thank you. All right. So this whole thing came about because uh, I have a, a YouTube channel and I've just been editing videos for years so when this comes out just makes me want to flex my editing brain and try to figure out dave's puzzle as we said but yeah my my youtube channel is madman's knowledge if you're looking for more info on like any future fan edits i make that will be there as well as my my regular videos which i actually um review movies and video games and like television and music as well I pretty much make 
whatever I want. And I think it's great that this whole fan edit thing took off from being something I didn't necessarily think I should be spending my time doing. It sort of felt like a waste, but then it ends up being like my most viewed video. So I'm I'm very thankful yeah. for all of that and for how everyone has uh, received it and shared it and all of that. And I mean, hey, we're we're all in bands, so we know the feeling. Oh yeah, yeah very much so. And 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 to you guys for having me on your show, I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, uh, my reviews are sort of have a bit of a strange meta humor to them. Sort of hard to explain here. So if you want to check it out, I'll let you figure out what that means for yourself. Uh, I also live stream right now on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays on my uh, YouTube channel at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. I play music and video games. Instagram is madman underscore knowledge. Twitter is at madman knowledge. And that's about it. Oh, one more thing. I'm releasing a fan edit I made of The Hobbit trilogy oh yeah i saw that sometime this month i don't know when yet but yeah it shortens the movies to take out things that didn't need to be in them nice i'm gonna need that (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking forward to it well dude thanks again for being here this has been super super fun and i'm stoked to go watch that kurosawa mode i was just gonna say i know it's late but i want you both to uh hang up the stream here the recording here and go (laughs) i'll get to it pop some popcorn and watch that right now it's that jaw-dropping i'm telling you it's fr- from the beginning, right when it starts, and like the like film burns, you know, the pops on the are happening, and you can like hear the static. You you, you know what's about. You're like, oh okay, I know what this is going to be, and it is sick. It's so good, man. I was really excited to watch, it, and I thought, man, although I'm excited for this, I wonder if the lack of color, you know, not having a blue lightsaber and a red lightsaber, is going to affect how I feel about the story and not being able to see Anakin's Sith eyes. But not at all. It, it, it just like it lives exactly where you want that idea of I'm, I'm going to do this, you know, pay homage to Kurosawa through doing this. It, it lived right there. And it just it felt like a futuristic samurai movie. It was <laughs> it was so sick, man. Big fan. Yeah. Also, um, if, if you get a chance to view the uh, the Japanese version, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the Japanese voice actors actually do a great job. And I'm pretty sure they have the same voice cast for the show and the movie. So it's even more seamless. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm going to go back and do that when I can sit and stare at the subtitles for four oh, hours. Yeah. I will. Awesome. <laughs> you Sick. have my word. Thank you, guys. Well, we'll put that email address in the show notes. We'll put a link to uh, Zach's channel. And if you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine is at William Ryan Key. And I'm at Nick Payside, soon to be Dua Lipa superfan number one. On Twitter. (laughs) Ryan's wearing his Thank the Maker shirt right now. I wore mine on Monday. I got mine in the mail yesterday. Well, there you go. We sent them to Adam, too. So we're going to model them. We're going to try to look super hella cute. (laughs) So, yeah, at thankthemakermerch.com. We got four shirts with many more on the way. Tight. But if you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. You'll get additional content. You'll get access to our Discord server and coming up some watch parties. Maybe we'll do this as a watch party with a pee break. Yeah, I definitely need that pee break. Well, no, we're going to wait for the Bad Batch one. We'll do yeah, that. Yeah, then you'll have your uh, your intermission with some yeah. epic music in the background yes. yeah. while you yeah. pee. All right. Well, thanks again, dude, for being here. Everybody, thanks for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you. Yeah.